Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Box Score Bros. And this is episode number three. I am Alan Barney, and I'm with my good friend Danny Heffernan. What's up, my man? What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. We're just uh, putting in some work here on a Saturday night. And, you know, speaking of putting in work. Man, it feels good to be right. (laughs) (laughs) In our last episode, some of you guys might remember, we made our quarterback carousel predictions going into the offseason for the bigger names like Sean Watson, Sam Darnold, other guys, maybe Carson Wentz got slipped in there. But no, he actually did. And my boy Danny got that prediction right. He said Carson Wentz would end up with the Colts. How does it feel to be right for once, buddy? Uh, for once, I don't know, man. You start sounding like my wife there. I'm always right. And uh, no, I've, I just feel like these these it, the NFL is just like a regular job for you and I. It's like a lot of these players have relationships with people and these agents talk talk to head coaches and and it just it just fit. I know everybody's saying, well, it's obvious, you know, now that it's happened, but it's just like you and I, you know, if I try to get you a job somewhere, you're gonna say, Hey, you're gonna pick up the phone and say, Hey Danny, can you get me in such you know, wherever it may be, or vice versa? And I feel like that's exactly that was the best fit. I mean, Carson Wentz had an MVP type season, you know, back in twenty seventeen. Ah, oh, there it is. There it is. I finally <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was beautiful i mean under uh, frank wright and he had what what do you have he had 33 touchdowns before he tore his acl i mean that was in 13 games, games. 13 yep. games okay so frank wright can get the best out of him and i think the colts they have a phenomenal offensive line which the philadelphia eagles have their offensive line is atrocious um, they got weapons all over the place in Indianapolis, running get running backs, receivers. I know T.Y. Hilton's, you know, banged up every now and then, but let's just let's be realistic. Every receiver on the Philadelphia Eagles roster was banged up. I mean, all year long, top to bottom, one to seven. They were all they all had injuries. So, I mean, I think he, he's going to the perfect situation. And I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP you know, caliber quarterback again, but he's going to get them right. And that's going to be good enough to win that division, which is weak. And I mean, there's a lot of teams that are going to be rebuilding and he will be able to get them in the playoffs. Well, that's another bold prediction on your behalf. Um, You know, I, as much as I hate to say it, it was a good prediction to make it. Um, Hopefully I get Watson right. And we'll even up that battle, but you know, you, you, that last episode, you touched on a lot of points about Frank Reich and Carson Wentz and their relationship and their, their cohesiveness during that Eagles Super Bowl run that Wentz carried most of the weight, like you said, through those first 13 games. And I think Wentz might've missed (laughs) Reich a little bit because Doug Peterson and Wentz obviously were not a good match. And it's that downfall in Philly has been wild to see because they went from the top of the mountain to they're their hitting rock bottom. It'll quick, be interesting to very see. Quick. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the off season with, are they going to carry on with Jalen hurts in the, in the future? Are they going to draft a QB? We'll see, but enough about the Eagles folks on the Colts. Um, 
like you said, this is a perfect match for Carson. He they have one of the better O lines in the league last year. Quentin Nelson and Riley Ryan Kelly, who were their first round picks from the not last draft but the previous two drafts, they hit on both of them. Their other starters, Glowinski, Braden Smith, <clears throat> and Chaz Green, have all been really good. They've made for a very good offensive line, and I believe you touched it. on it on the la- the first episode we had when you mentioned. They made Philip Rivers look good, and yeah. aging Philip Rivers was not pretty the last couple of years with the Chargers. So that not speaks wonder. So what the Colts were able, Frank Reich was able to do to get the Colts to be a playoff team this past year, um, albeit not in the strongest division, just because the Texans and Jaguars are not a good team right now. Not good teams. Yeah. Uh, so the O line is obviously a strength. Um, is I picked up this note uh, assistant o-line coach clayton adams is deciding to come back he was actually thinking about going to out to arizona state to be the offensive coordinator decided to come back so there will be some continuity on the o-line and but there will be interesting to see what they do because obviously nick sirianni their offensive coordinator took over as the head coach for the eagles so that's kind of ironic in a way um But, I mean, as long as Frank Reich's there with Wentz, it, it's going to work out. They got a lot of weapons with T.Y. Hilton, as you said, who hasn't been the same since Andrew Luck retired. But, yeah, I mean, you can see and, what and he – Frank, And Frank Wright's calling the plays. So that, that – and they're going to have that relationship. That he already knows what Wentz likes and doesn't like. And it's pretty – I'm pretty sure it's pretty much the same plays, uh, maybe worded differently, but he already knows that. So – even though this off season coming up is going to be the zoom meetings and it's not going to be like a normal regular off season. I don't think Wentz would have any troubles adjusting to, you know, moving over to Indianapolis. So. Right. And they, he, it's like I said, we both said a good situation. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think he's going to be a star at running back in the next few years. He kind of struggled a little bit in his rookie year, had his peaks and valleys, but he started to get turn it on towards the end with that O-line. I think he's going to bust out next year. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the Colts do with their first round pick at number 21. Last year, they traded away their first round pick for DeForest Buckner. But the previous two years, as I said, they went with studs on the line and Kelly and Nelson. A lot of the mock drafts I'm seeing, they're going to stick with O-line and pick. The name I've been seeing pop up a lot is Oklahoma State's Tevin Jenkins. So okay. another hog molly on that whole line. Uh, <laughs> I'd be curious to see which starter is going to get put to the second string or if they're going to ease somebody like a Jenkins along or if they draft another O-lineman, we don't know. Because I, I don't know how much help the Colts defense really needs. They, they were very good last year. They were 10th in points per game. They were second in rush yards per game given up as they only gave up. 90 rushing yards per game. They're only behind the Buccaneers. Their passing offense was a little bit towards the middle of the pack, but their rush defense was so good. It carried it up and they, they have, they got some dudes on that defense. So, yeah, you know, they might, they might take a look on defense. Maybe they can get an offensive weapon because after Hilton, it's a lot of young guys with Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, Naeem Hines, who catches a lot of balls out of the backfield uh, so maybe they'll draft because there's a lot of good receivers, pass catchers in this draft. Uh, what do you think about the rumors of Zach Ertz following Wentz to Indy? 
Well, I mean, them two had a great relationship in Philly. Um, it was his go-to guy. All, you know, he was the only one there consistently compared to Alshon Jeffries and, you know, obviously Deshaun Jackson's past year not playing many games. So, I mean, if they can pull that off, I mean, that'd be great because that's like his security blanket. But I don't, I don't think that happens. I think if that was going to happen, it would have probably been in that deal. Um, I think Ertz does get traded. I, I think it's going to be somewhere else, though. Um, I'm hearing a lot of rumors about Seattle going all in, trying to, you know, make Russell Wilson a little happier because he's he seems like he's real cranky up there. So I don't know. I think I think that that's a good fit for for him up there in Seattle, also. So. We'll see. I, if he was going to go to Indianapolis, I think that would have already happened. Um, I don't know how much more they're going to be able to trade away. I think they should just stand packed now they finally have their quarterback. Now they use some of that draft picks to get some more younger playmakers. Or if they're going to go ahead and go that route, maybe trade for an outside wide receiver. Because I, I do feel like the Colts have some decent tight ends to just get the job done. They do need an outside playmaker, though, to help with T.Y. Hilton. Right. And like I said, there's a lot of options in the draft. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, the We've guy – got a long offseason to go. It's just beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, to touch on the Seahawks with Ertz, if I'm a Seahawks fan and that was one of their plans to make Russ happy to get uh, – kind of, I'm not going to say old, but – Ertz has got a lot of wheels on them tires. I, I would hope they'd have something better up their sleeve than him. But yeah, I guess beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So I mean, they be, did sign. They signed Greg Olson last year. So <laughs> hey, <laughs> they're willing to sign him. I mean, Hertz is a rookie compared to that. So you're right. Uh, it some teams, you know, they they hit on a lot of these low key personnel decisions, and then they just they baffle you with these obviously bad ones. I don't know what the Seahawks are thinking there with Olsen. Maybe but, that's why uh, you and Russell Wilson agree, and that's why he's cranky. So, hey, they need to get. You must be his agent. <laughs> <laughs> they need to get that man some help and some protection. Yeah, otherwise, you're clearly his agent, bro. <laughs> otherwise, him and Sierra are gone. They're leaving Seattle. They're done. <laughs> uh, anyways, so. That's a little bit of our NFL talk. We're not going to dive too much into the no fun league today. Um, I think we got baseball back, right? right? Are we going, we're going to baseball? We got baseball National back. Finally, kids time. <laughs> yes. Catchers and pitchers reporting. Yes. Let's get a little excited. We got some spring training games this coming week, I believe, if not next weekend. So, yep. It's next, right around the corner. Next Sunday, I think, is the first day of games. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait either. It's been. I I'm feel such like, a loser. I'm actually going to watch a spring training game because I'm not excited about <laughs> baseball. So hey, I do it every year. MLB TV comes through. I get that subscription, and you know it never lets me down. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Baseball's back. Pitchers and catchers reporting. Position players start reporting on Monday. Obviously, there's some guys who are probably already there, who got there Thursday and Friday, and even over the weekend. Uh, Baseball, like basketball and football, has got a lot of stuff to deal with with COVID and how they're going to handle everything. They were they took a lot of flack for how last year went. Cardinals and Marlins had outbreaks, and 
there's a lot of issues, but they worked it out. Um, I think the MLB showed the world that, or at least America anyways, that a professional league can make it through these COVID times, even with all the road bumps or bumps in the road. So that was encouraging. Uh, I hope there's fans this year. I know some, a lot of teams are planning on having fans, obviously not full capacity. So we'll see how that works. Uh, and then just a little side notes about spring training. I like what the, the league has decided to do because the team, the two, the teams are separated as if most of you don't know, don't know this yet. The two teams for two leagues for spring training, though, half the league goes to Arizona and half the league goes to Florida out in Arizona. A lot of the teams spring training complexes are close together. So there's not much travel involved. But here in Florida, a lot of the teams are their complexes are pretty spread out. So the way they're deciding to do it this year is keeping it uh, regional. So the teams on one coast are going to stay and play together. And on the other side of the state, you'll see those teams play together and stay together. So hopefully that helps. And there's no outbreaks during spring training. I don't think they're going to stop the season once they get going like they did last year now that they have a lot of protocols in place and know what to do with everything. Um, I think I saw, I saw, I know I saw a statistic yesterday, which was Friday. The out of the 4,336 tests, only 14 were positive. That's good news. Nine, I think nine, yeah, nine were players and five were staffers. So that's a good start. Obviously sounds like a lot of people were, were doing what they were supposed to do in the off season. Um, Stay I mean, out the bars and clubs, people. Yeah, Stay out goes, the bars and clubs. That goes to Mike Clevenger and Zach Plezak, especially. <laughs> uh, we need baseball. Yes, for sure. Uh, as much as a lot of people think the sport is boring and there needs to be some changes, uh, they're working on it. I, I think they need to do some new techniques when it comes to marketing their players and how they share their media content and highlights. But that's for another show, another time, another argument with us. But, you know, a trend we've seen on this show so far between us, we like to do predictions, and we're going to be no different with that today. So we're going to dive into who we think is going to win each division, and um, maybe we'll throw out our World Series predictions and who will win that series. So, my man, Danny, we're going to start with you in the American League. All right. We'll run through the three divisions. Give us your three-division champs you got in mind for this year. As right, right well, now. obviously, I'm, we'll start with the AL East, and I know it's, people are going to say it's a homer pick, but I will say this: I did do some homework, and I and I did the best I can looking at all the teams in the division, um, so nobody can say that I'm I'm biased. And at the end of the day, there's the Yankees are the best team in that division by far. Um, the roster. I mean, the AL East is in, it's it's declining right now with obviously Boston just selling off all their pieces. Um, the Orioles have been rebuilding since I've been alive, and they, they <laughs> and, had a couple you know, of Blue, playoff runs. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. The Blue Jays did make a couple nice signings, you know, Springer, and they, they've done a. Um, they also traded uh, for Stephen Matz, so they've done a couple nice things. But at the end of the day, I still think the Yankees are the favorite they have the best lineup and they have the best rotation obviously with uh, Cole and um, Severino coming back in June hopefully June uh, May or June 
If not those two, then it's definitely going to be July. I, I mean, he'll be back definitely for the playoff run. So with a couple starts under his belt. So I'm definitely going with the Yankees in the AL East. Um, the, the AL Central, I'm going with the Chicago White Sox. And I, and I think it's more so because I don't trust the Twins pitching staff um, against any, you know, anybody with a potent lineup, and especially with the White Sox. I mean, you have Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu in that, in that lineup. I mean, that's, that's a tough lineup, and it's just going to be high-scoring baseball games between those two. But I, I do like the, the White Sox uh, rotation better than I do the Twins, and I think that's what puts them over the top in the Central. And a lot of people are going to hate me for this, but we can go ahead and bang the drum. Or the trash can, I should say. I'm going to stay with the Houston Astros because I still think, even though they lost Springer, I still think that they will have the best lineup and the pitching staff is still really solid. Um, their bullpen, they got to clean that up a little bit, but I think they're going to have a bounce back year. I, I do think they got the little jitters out of their, their stomach about what they were going to deal with between the media. They still got to face the fans. Um, but even then, it's not going to be that big of a deal this year because it's not full capacity. You know, once that gets full capacity, I think it's really going to put some more pressure on them because um, they're going to get booed. They're going to get bottles thrown at them, the whole nine yards. Um, but I still think they are the best team in the West because I, I do see that the A's are back to their money ball situation and they're looking to trade away some of their talented players because they can't afford to pay them, unfortunately. So there's rumors of, about a lot of things coming out of Oakland. It'll probably be by the deadline. You'll see some movement there. But I do think the Astros are the best team in the West. So that's what I got for the AL. What about you? What do you think? Interesting. I'm just going to run through those predictions. I, I like the Yankees. I Obviously, you have Cole. Uh, that's the horse at the start of the rotation. The big thing – that scares me on the outside looking in for the Yankees. They have a lot of what ifs in that rotation. You got a lot of talent, obviously, but you think about Corey, Corey Kluber, Jamison Tayone, and when Severino comes back, how are these guys going to hold up? Because Kluber, he has a track record. He's won a Cy Young. He had a good five-year run with Cleveland, but two years ago, he made five starts, he got hit by a line drive, broke his forearm, he was done for the year. Came in the last year with shoulder issues. I think he made one or two starts, and that was it. They shut him down. So, how? and he's he's 36 heading into this year. He's got a lot of innings on that arm. So, what's going to happen with him? He, he's barely pitched in the last couple of years. Is he going to be able to handle the workload of 170, 180 innings? And even if they can keep them down in the 140, 150 range in the regular season, does that? Well, I think I think that's the plan. I think because the Yankees have one of the best bullpens in baseball, I think that's why, yes, they are risky. I do agree with you when you're saying that. But these players, I mean, they, they can't be any worse than, than Hap and Paxton. Because when I tell you that was some of the – worst pitching performance last year from those guys. I just couldn't stand watching them. And I think they're going to lean during the regular season on that bullpen a lot. They're going to put a lot, a lot of, a lot of innings on those arms. So. Well, that's, that's the catch 22. Uh, what, because, you know, you throw a lot of those relievers out there, 60, 70 innings. How are they going to be feeling once playoffs come around? 
because now you're going to have to rely on these starters. Yeah. So obviously Boone's got a lot of work to do in terms of workloads and how he's going to balance that out because even our oldest Chapman, he's had plenty of issues before with injuries. So, and they lost Adam Ottavino to Boston of all teams. They traded him to, that was an interesting move, but. I'm still scratching my head over that one. I, I didn't get that. <laughs> might They might not have liked what they seen in a workout. Who knows? That's that we'll, we'll never know that. Uh, but I, I mean, the Yankees are known for their bats. So. That's why I agree with the pick. My pick for the AL East is the Yankees as well because that lineup's just stacked. You got obviously you got the first man ever to win a batting title in both leagues, DJ LeMahieu, and that was a that was a huge deal for them to re-sign him because even though that lineup's still potent without him, he takes it to a whole another level. And yeah. And wherever he hits, first, second, third, it's just he gets on base. That's all he does. And when he's getting on base in front of Judge and Stanton and Hicks, and we'll see Luke Voigt. I don't know if I believe he's going to play at the same level as he did last season. He's a good player, but we'll have to see what he does. Um, That lineup's just stacked, like I said. And there's question marks there, too. Stanton, of course, has a long injury history and – judge the past couple of years is starting to do that as well but y'all just have great depth glaber torres i think he's going to bounce back gary yeah. sanchez he might not be able to catch behind the plate but he can sure hit when he needs you to uh geo or shayla who i think is the underrated hero of that lineup on a nightly basis nobody really talks about him i think well, his be- his glove is phenomenal i mean he's he's I mean, he's a gold glove winner at third base. I mean, his defense is great. So, yeah. And I just saw that yesterday they re signed Brett Gardner back for year 13. So, <laughs> the old uh, man. They, I mean, there's obviously a lot of what ifs, but every team carries that into this year. But as you said on paper, the Yankees are still pretty stacked. They replaced Hap and Paxton in the rotation with Taon and Kluber. On paper, that looks better. So, yeah. obviously, we got to see how Tayone recovers from his second Tommy John. He's been down a year now, and he'll be back. So, we'll see how that works. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if top prospect Diego Garcia gets into the rotation out of camp because he's got a lot of upside. Yeah. And then there's also the other top prospect, Brendan Schmidt. I believe he was invited to spring training. So that's another high upside arm. If he comes up and can maybe not throw 170, but if he can throw a hundred innings, you know, fill in those nights that those guys I mentioned before aren't out there. That'd be a big help. Yeah. And trade deadlines always big. The Yankees might make a move. They always seem to make one during the season. So Cashman's a, he's a dealer. He's a wheeler and a dealer. He's a hustler. He'll definitely try to get something done. Um, so I agree with that pick. That was a long explanation for it, but I agree with it. <laughs> oh, it's my fault. I kept cutting you off. That's why I'm letting you go with it now. But yeah, huh. some it's good okay. points though. It's, it's what about okay. the AL Central? AL Central. This is where I veer off the course from you. Um, yeah. I get it. The White Sox. They look great. They they signed uh, Lance Lynn. Actually, I'm sorry. They traded for Lance Lynn, and so now with Lucas Giolito, that's a heck of a one-two punch in the rotation. And then also they they signed an excellent closer. 
So, and they they have the the lineup. They got a Jose Jose Abreu, who's the defending AL MVP. Yasmani Grandal, Tim Anderson. Uh, even though he struggled last year because of COVID, Yoan Mankata, he'll be back over there in the hot corner. He's a really good hitter. He was yeah. at one point the top prospect in baseball a couple of years ago. So they they're pretty loaded. I can't lie, but. My pick, I got to go with the team that's been winning the division the past couple of years, the Minnesota Twins. I know you don't like their rotation. I do, personally. Kenta Maeda finally got his chance to be a guy who can go out there every fifth day once he left the Dodgers, and he proved his worth last year, albeit in a 60-game season. He was excellent. And then you have their the guy that's been their rock-steady ace the past couple of years, Jose Barrios. He, he's got great stuff. He doesn't strike out as many guys as you would want in your young ace, but he's, he's still, he's improving. I mean, he's only 26 years old, so he's still got time. He's, he's been excellent. Michael Pineda, he's got a lot of upside. He had issues last year with finishing out a drug suspension from the end of 2019. So he's a good pickup. And then I know you bashed him for his performance in a Yankees uniform, but I think the twins can work something on Jay Happ. Maybe get him back to his pre-Yankee days where he can go Good out luck. there and make some solid five to six inning starts. So, and that that's just their first four. Uh, their fifth spot's going to be a, a bunch of guys probably rotating in and out unless they they find a guy who performs well enough to get that fifth spot. Their bullpen is deep. They'll probably be doing a two-headed scenario at the closer spot with Taylor Rogers and Alex Colomay. So that's going to be a point to where if they're seeing righties in the ninth inning, Colomay is going out there. And if it's lefties, it's Taylor Rogers. So they got a deep bullpen. Their lineup is pretty stout. I mean, they signed Josh Donaldson last off season. It really didn't pan out last year because of his calf injury, but he's back and he's ready to bash the ball. They got a, Bunch of guys who can hit home runs. That's why they're called the Bomba Squad. Um, yeah. Yel Sano, George Polanco, J- uh, Max Kepler, Byron Buxton. If he can stay healthy for one of these dang years, he'll be amazing. They just they got they got lumber, and then of course the ageless wonder Nelson Cruz resigned with them. I don't know how this. Well, there's no happened. there's no doubt that their lineup is elite. My my biggest thing against them was was their rotation. That's just, and then that ballpark, the, the balls fly out. So, I I can agree. I mean, but if you look at the White Sox rotation, they also have a lot of question marks after Giolito and Lance Lynn. Yeah. I mean, Carlos Rodon, he's had a long history issue, long injury history. And they're giving him another chance. Dallas Keuchel, he's he's serviceable, but in the American League, you can run into that home run issue, and he's not. He's a guy that pitched to, pitches to contact. Yeah. And then they have Dylan Cease, who's expected to be in the rotation, another top prospect, but he's had a lot of issues with control. We'll see if he can get that under under control, technically, in a way. <laughs> uh, the closer, I, I just, for some reason, couldn't remember his name, but he's a high-priced one, Liam Hendricks. He's been a dominant closer for the A's the past two years. He's going to be the guy now for them. So, But I, I got to go with the Twins until the White Sox can prove me wrong. But I think either, it's, if it's going to be one of those – It's going to be a good division though, yeah. to watch, yes. And then in the American League <clears throat> West, 
I got I'm gonna also veer off course here. Nobody's probably picking them, but I'm gonna go with the LA Angels. Wow. Yep. I got it. I'm going back to the hot takes. Dun-na-na, dun-na-na. <laughs> uh everybody knows I did they... not see that coming. <laughs> you should have if you know me. Uh <laughs> Everybody knows about Mike Trout, the best player in the game, obviously. But I've liked I've liked what they've been doing. They they made the big free agent signing at third base last year and Anthony Rendon and he kind of became the Robin to Trout in the Batman Robin scenario. Um David Fletcher is a good piece in, at second base. Jose Iglesias is a solid defensive shortstop. They got Pulhos coming back. He's a good veteran presence. Shohei Otani, apparently the rumor is he's going to be pitching and hitting this year. I really don't agree with that. I think he needs to just choose one and go with it. But you never know. It might work for one year, and that year might be 2021. Another key piece I think their lineup was his first baseman, Jared Walsh, came up in September last year as a rookie and just – killed the baseball he had nine home runs and 26 rbis in 32 games and i expect him to be just another added force to that angels lineup with trout and rendon and pool and we can't forget about justin upton he's still a good veteran presence for them he might not play every day like he did in his diamondbacks and braves days but he's still a dangerous guy i really like what they got for a rotation uh their ace dylan bundy Last year, he came over in a trade from the Orioles. He was a top prospect at one point. And either the Angels coaching staff or Bundy or a combination, they figured out something last year, and they really um, curved his fastball usage and made him start relying on secondary pitches, and he's become an ace. Andrew Heaney, former pet top prospect, so he's got the pedigree. Griffin Canning is another one, same thing. They're kind of in the scenario that you said with the Twins. I don't know fully about their rotation in the back end with Jose Quintana and Alex Cobb, but I like what they got in the bullpen. They got some good depth there. So I'm going to go with the Yankees, Twins, and Angels for the American League. All right. So Sounds good. With that, we're going to go over to my favorite league, personally, the National League. Who do you got as your division champs over there? Well – We'll start off in the NL East, and I got the Atlanta Braves. Go ahead and winning that weak, very weak division. Um, I'm not sold on the hype of the Mets. They're the off-season winners. Uh, back of the New York Post when they made the trade for Lindor, and, and trust me, it was a steal. They, they pretty much gave up absolutely nothing for Lindor, um, and they got one of the best shortstops in the game. So I I do like the trade that they made, but they're not to me they're still not a playoff team they i still look at them as the mets you know they 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 win the the back page headlines in the off season off season uh, champs that's what we call the mets so um i got the braves winning that division um i just their lineup they got a potent lineup and the rotation to me is is very underrated it doesn't get the attention it deserves i know last year they had a couple big injuries so that really affected them, but I think they are the best team in that division. Um, I'm going to NL Central. I'm going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, they they went a little out of character th- this offseason by adding Nolan Arenado. 
he, I mean, it's a big time contract and the Cardinals are not one to pay players that kind of money. Um, so a little out of character, but I, I love the move. I love the fit. Um, I think, I think they are the best team in that division. Um, they have the best lineup mixed with the rotation and bullpen um, compared. I mean, their competition, I think really is just the Milwaukee Brewers, the, the Cubs, they're, they're going re full rebuild mode. Uh, I don't respect the Reds, <laughs> they're the Reds. <laughs> so that being said, I, I go with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, and why, then, why and I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to cut you off, but why I need to know why you don't respect the Reds. I just don't, I don't respect any decision they make. <laughs> They've just always been just the Reds. I just don't see anything. They don't go out of, out of, out of the way to add any big pieces, any, they don't want to spend the big bucks. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to spend money in baseball. You get the, what the Orioles are doing you know, they, they've been tanking for the last couple of years now. And they, they got, I think they got like a $40 million payroll the Orioles. And it just kind of reminds me just the Reds, they don't, they don't go out out of character, you know, off season and, and add a big name, add a big bat, you know, why didn't they go get Arenado? You know, they're not, nobody, they're, they're not ever making an off season, big splash. And you, you have to have a player, you know, you have to have, you have to spend big money. You do. It's just, that's what the, the Padres are all in the doc. and the LA Dodgers I mean they're the best team in baseball I hate saying it I mean yes they are on paper better than the Yankees um they have the best rotation with mixed with the lineup Mookie Betts is, is going to be he's going to have an MVP season uh top three player in baseball so but I do like what the San Diego Padres have done They've obviously went out, and made big splashes. They're spending bucks, big bucks actually, with uh, Fernando Tatis just yeah. signing that that big deal, yeah. crazy money. <laughs> but then going to get you know adding Snell and I mean they just they're they're going after the Dodgers. But then it's the Dodgers see what San Diego's doing, and then they go out and sign Trevor Bauer. So trumps everything they did. <laughs> the best team in baseball adds the best free agent pitcher in baseball. So. I mean, you can't always buy championships, but it, it does it does help. And then when the season comes to an end there, the Dodgers will win the NL West. All right. What do you think? So I found myself in a, a predicament uh, being a Braves fan for such a long time. But I just – I don't I – th- while I do think they'll make the playoffs, I think they'll make it in as a wild card. I don't think they're going to win the division. I am actually going to hand that to the New York Mets. And I get it. You know, everybody – the splashy signing will endure her trade for anyways. But they also got Carlos Carrasco back in that deal. They signed uh, Taiwan Walker to add to the rotation. James McCann is coming in to be the catcher to get rid of that black hole that was wilson ramos so they got some good pieces obviously (laughs) (laughs) you you can't hit the ball on the ground 97 percent of the time that's just not gonna work (laughs) i might be exaggerating on that percentage but 
I, I just like what the Mets got. They they have the best pitcher in the National League, arguably the past three years, and Jacob DeGrom. And as I said, they have Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker joining that rotation. Then you have Marcus Stroman, who came back. So they got a solid four. And then eventually at some point this season, they'll get Noah Syndergaard back, and that's a really good starting five. And while I think the Braves do have an excellent starting five, I don't think it's as good as the Mets. So there's that. The Mets have a good closer in Edwin Diaz. He he had his issues in 2019, but he started to turn the corner and come back to his Seattle form in 2020. And then the one, the part where I think the Mets are not as good as the Braves, but are almost even with them, is the lineup. They have Lindor. He's the guy. They got Pete Alonzo, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil. And as I mentioned before, James McCann. So they got a really good lineup. They got a deep lineup. Dominic Smith Bert came onto the scene last year, utilized that DH spot in the National League. So they got a good lineup. And they, in my opinion, they already have a better rotation than the Braves. Wow. If, really? Yeah. For now, things can change. You never know. I need to see more out of Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley. And then I also need to see how Mike Soroka – comes back from his Achilles tear. And then there's also Ian Anderson who came out last year and as a 21-year-old just blew everybody's minds with his six starts in the regular season and then his postseason performances. But that was his first time through the league. A lot of the – nobody's seen him yet in the big league. So um, I don't want to say it, but I'm kind of anticipating a sophomore slump. So if you add in all those question marks in their rotation, that really leaves the only safe bet is Max Freed. So, but that's just, that's hypothetical. Soroka could come back. He's a gamer. He could be perfectly fine from his Achilles. Charlie Morton's shoulder might be okay. Ian Anderson might be still pitching above his age. We We don't know that, but I think the Mets have a safer rotation. And if their lineup can be anywhere near what the Braves have, I think they're they're their biggest threat. Because I do believe the Braves have a better lineup, but the Mets can get just close enough to that. I think they can win that division. So that's my logic behind it. But I will say the Braves, and maybe if they're doing expanded playoffs, I would say probably the Phillies or the Nationals will make it in as well. Uh, I, I was going to say that if I, if I had to pick a second place team, I, I would take the Phillies over. I just, I guess I don't have the same respect for the that Mets team as you do. I, I look at that lineup and it really doesn't, I, I, it doesn't scare me at all. I mean, Alonzo, he even took a huge step back last year. I don't know what happened to him uh, compared to obviously his rookie year, but I mean, Lindor, I mean, that's, that's a great addition, but again, I don't know. I mean, and in the rotation, there's question marks with, you know, Syndergaard, obviously, and then Marcus Stroman. I mean, I don't – DeGrom is DeGrom. Don't get me wrong. He's he's their ace. He's phenomenal. But I don't know. There's a lot of question marks there. And their bullpen's still a mess. It, it really is still a mess. So, we'll see. <laughs> I – and I know – I believe you said the NL East is weak. Is that what I heard? Yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of weak teams in that. Division. I think that's probably the best division in the National League. The Central wow. is horrible. We'll get to that in a minute. And the West <laughs> is very top-heavy. After the Dodgers and Padres, the other three are kind of just 
They're not. Okay. I just, they're just. I think because even the Marlins made the playoffs last year, and if they're the worst team in that division, I'd put them ahead of three of the teams in the West and probably at least three of the teams in the Central. But that's my. Opinion. I think I think the Mets are the worst team in that division. I think the Marlins. <laughs> I'd take the Marlins over the Mets, but. I don't know how we got to that point, but I'm going to move on to the NL Central now. And this is one I can't agree with you with, and that's the Cardinals. Uh, Obviously, the big splashy move, they brought in Nolan Arenado, and him and Paul Goldschmidt are going to form a great 3-4 punch in that lineup. There's a lot of question marks in the rest of the lineup. I I didn't like what I saw from some of the guys like Paul DeYoung, and Tommy Edmond, they both kind of let a lot of people down last year at the plate. But I don't know how much you can hold towards that COVID season. Seems like everybody's bad years being thrown to the side. And then they re-signed Yadier Molina, which he's a great veteran presence. But it's like, you got to cut your losses, man. He's going to be a, an anchor in a bad way in terms on offense. It's I don't know what they expect from him at the plate. But maybe they they I mean the Cardinals know more. They've, they've had him his whole career, so maybe they expect different things out of him. I do like some of their and I another guy I don't like in their lineup, Harrison Bader. He's a great defensive player, but man, he's he can barely hit over two thirty. And I think in a whole a whole hundred and sixty two game season, he's going to be exposed for his weaknesses at the plate. I do like Dylan Carlson, top prospect for them. He came up last year and he kind of struggled but he had he showed some signs that he was picking things up i think this is going to be a big year for him so in their rotation they got a bona fide ace with jack flaherty they got some things to iron out in their after flaherty with miko Liss and wainwright and they got to find a four and a five they have a whole bunch of guys that can do it but all of them have question marks their bullpen's been always solid they got guys like john cant Ryan Helsley, Alex Reyes, Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, I think is yeah. a stud closer. So they got some good pieces. They just need to figure out the back end of that rotation. And I think they're going to probably need to make a move at some point to add to that lineup. As crazy as that sounds with adding Arenado, but they're going to need to add another a left-handed bat if they really want to make some noise in the playoffs. So that's the Cardinals. I think the Brewers and Cubs might try to keep up. I think the Reds are the second best team in that division. With mm-hmm. <laughs> they're gonna have their Cy Young at the start of the rotation, Luis Castillo, because that was my Cy Young pick for the NL. Uh, yeah. And they got that that ballpark, the ball flies, and they got a, some mashers with Nick Castellanos and Mike Mustakis and Eugenio Suarez. But I think that'll probably be a wild card team. I think the Cardinals are going to win that division. And then as for the ever entertaining National League West, everybody is so focused on the Dodgers Padres rivalry, which is warranted. Uh, I'm going to have to pick the Dodgers. I mean, how can you not? Hey, they won the world series. They really didn't lose anybody major. And the, and they brought in, like you said, the best free agent, not only pitcher, but the best free agent on the market this year in Trevor Bauer. And now they have three aces in that rotation with Bauer, Walker Bueller, and Clayton Kershaw. Although Kershaw is becoming more of a two slash three, but 
on those nights he's feeling good, he can still throw like an ace. And then their only guy on offense they could have lost, Justin Turner, re-signed with them. So they have the bats. They got Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie, Will Smith. And then, of course, former former MVP, Mookie Betts. He was a game changer in the playoffs for them on defense and base running. So I don't know how you can pick against them. The only issue I have with the Dodgers is their bullpen. Kenley Jansen is not the closer he was before. So they got to kind of figure out what they're going to do there. Maybe one of those starters who gets left out of the rotation, such as Dustin May or Tony Gonsolin or Julio Arias, maybe can slide into that closer role because there's going to be a lot of guys gunning for those five rotation spots. And as I said, three are already guaranteed. So those last two are going to be tough to get. And, you know, the Dodgers might do the Dodger thing and play kind of a innings limit on all those guys to keep them rested and but we'll go from there but I will say the Padres are pushing them to beat them and I think they they definitely have the firepower I yes say that. They, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun when you see Dodgers Padres this year on the TV you need to tune in because it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a lot of a lot of fireworks in that rivalry oh yeah. this year it's gonna be a it's gonna be a playoff game every time with them. They got yeah, 19 every, I mean, Padres. They, their ownership and GM is gunning, gunning for the Dodgers. So I, I can respect that aspect. They're they're competing and not doing the cowardly thing that the Cubs are doing and just tanking. <laughs> Sorry, Cubs fans, but it's true. <laughs> I you know I don't I mean I don't love what the Cubs did this offseason, but they really didn't do anything bad. I mean they let Schwarber go and Lester go, but. They weren't too valuable. I just, but I do agree. They, they need. Well, they traded you, you Darvish away, and then now they're, you know, they, they're, um, trade. They're in rumors to looking to trade, you know, Chris Bryant. So, I just feel like their their ownership is trying to. Seems like our buddy Danny's having some audio issues. Are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Sorry, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, we're all good there. Sorry about that. But uh, as you were saying, the the Padres, they, they're gunning for it. They got Darvish and Snell and Joe Musgrove for the, the rotation. And they, they locked in Fernando Tatis forever. He's going to retire a Padre. So... But uh, I'm going to have to go with the Dodgers for now. I mean, that definitely would come down to the wire. The Padres are definitely a wild card team for sure. And it, it might – it would be pretty fun to see them go against each other in the playoffs again for another no doubt about it. five to seven games. Uh, with that being said, I think maybe we should throw out some very early World Series predictions. What do you got for the World Series? Well, I mean – when you turn on the TV the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear a lot of Yankees, Dodgers, Yankee Dodgers. So I, I tried to go out at the angle of what team in the National League can beat the Dodgers? What what lineup, what mix with rotation and bullpen can beat the Dodgers? And I came up with the Atlanta Braves. I feel like they can find a way to upset the Dodgers uh, in seven games. They were there last year, 
with a patched work together rotation and they almost got it done. So I got the Atlanta Braves versus the New York Yankees in the world series. And I have the Yankees winning it in six. <laughs> Couldn't even push it to seven. I get it. I get Couldn't it. push it to seven. I, I, I have I have the Yankees taking it in six. But I do think that the Braves have – they're going to have a hell of a season. I do – I'm very high on that team this year. And it has nothing to do with, you know, that being your favorite team. Um, I do think they have a chance to upset the Dodgers. All right. All right. So – a lot of things, a lot of matchups running through my mind. Don't want to seem biased about it, but I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a little wild with it here. Really crazy, and I'm gonna go with the Oakland A's in the American League, and I'm gonna go with the L.A. Dodgers in the National League. I'm gonna go all California World Series. Uh, Obviously, we just talked about what the Dodgers got coming in, and they're the favorites. Uh, I think the Braves will give them a run for their money, or the Mets, or the Cardinals, one of them teams. But Not the Mets. <laughs> I just don't see any of them having enough to beat the Dodgers four times in a seven-game span. So, And as for the A's, as I didn't mention them as my division champs. I think they're going to sneak in as a wild card. They got a lot of fire. They got a lot of good arms in that rotation with Jesus Lazardo and Chris Bassett. And if top prospect AJ Puck can get his shoulder right, that's another good arm. Their lineup is it's pretty good. I mean, it's not as good in years past, but they got the two the Bash brothers, the Matts, Matt Chapman and Matt Olson back. They got a lot of good pieces, and they just they seem to get it done with a low payroll. And as much as you don't think they're going to beat the Yankees in a playoff series. I just think they can pull it off. But it'll all be in vain because I think they're going to spend so much energy on beating the Yankees in the ALCS that they'll probably lose to the Dodgers in about five games. And well, That would set up for a boring World Series if that happens. <laughs> well, I mean, what can I say? Some of the World Series these recent years have been kind of boring. I really wanted the pot sorry the Rays and Dodgers to go seven Kevin Cash inexplicably pulled Blake Snell in game six for I should I say famously yeah and it is what it is but I think the Dodgers are going to repeat as much as that hurts my heart to say that I just at the moment I don't see anybody beating them and until unless they have a lot of injuries happen or a team makes a big move to get up to their level. I just don't see anybody beating them and they'll probably repeat. So, yeah. and, and that's one of the reasons why I tried to look at it at a different angle because everybody's going to tune in, you know, in the next couple of weeks, like I said, before opening day, and they're going to hear a lot of that Dodgers repeat Dodgers repeat. So I tried to go a little outside the box and, and it sounds like you tried to do that with the American league because uh, realistically, in a seven seven game series, the A's don't stand a chance against my Yanks. But that's for another debate, another show. Before we uh, go ahead and and, and uh, close this baseball segment off, I do want to ask you a question: of the top remaining uh, free agents still available, who is the one that most surprises you um, that's still out there? 
Uh, just there wasn't too many, but if there was one, I was surprised about it's uh, right-handed starter Jake Odorizzi. Yeah, he's had a good he's had a good career. He had some times with Tampa and then with the Twins where he can for a start or two he's excellent, and then he falls off, comes back. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty shocked he's still out there. I didn't, I you know, pitching is all you never have too much pitching, and then to see a good veteran guy like that still just sitting out there. It, makes me think one of two things either the teams maybe didn't didn't like what they saw last year or he's he's asking for too much and yeah until he comes down nobody's gonna budge on him and we'll see i mean somebody's gonna give in at some point and money talks so <laughs> yeah no doubt about that yeah i got i got jackie bradley jr i can't believe that he's still a free agent. I mean, he's he's in a gold glove center fielder. He's 31 years old, and his bat started to come around last year. So I don't yeah. I, I can't I don't understand that why he's still a free agent, but like you said, money talks. So Jackie, old JBJ. Uh <laughs> ugh, great defense. his bat did come around, but I know some teams are probably not a believer in the gains yeah. he made at the plate. But at the same time, with the current state of COVID and guys being out week, weeks at a time and depth being tested, I, I, I can agree that I'm pretty shocked to see that no team couldn't use a fourth outfielder slash late-inning defensive replacement base runner because he's like, – he, like you said, he's excellent on defense. He's got uh, he's... plenty of sports center highlights to prove that. So, yeah. But – We'll see. Like like we both said, money talks, and eventually rubber is going to hit the road, and they'll sign, and we'll we'll go from there. But for now, we all know Dodgers are probably going to win the World Series, and we're all going to be upset with it. <laughs> but, Let's go Yanks! Yeah. But on another, I do appreciate you picking the Braves. I hope that happens. Them both getting there because I would hate to see the Dodgers in it again. And that's me not being biased at all. Anyways, <laughs> I think we uh, covered baseball enough for one day. I think we can maybe cap off the show, talk a little fantasy basketball, since we're like, right. since we're in the heart of not only the NBA season but the NBA fantasy season. And we're gonna do a little exercise today. We're gonna both of us are gonna give out our starting five for fantasy basketball stars, one at each position, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center. So, obviously, to start this exercise, we're going to start the one with point guard. Danny, my man, who you got as your top point guard in fantasy so far this year? Uh, I got to go with Luka. Luka Doncic, I mean, he, I think he's the best young. <laughs> he's the best young point guard in the game. I mean, he moves in slow motion, but man, he can get to the basket anytime he wants. And his, I mean, his three point shots coming along started off slow, a little rocky with it, but now that Porzingis is back, it's it's opened up the floor for him, and uh, he's stroking it better. So I go with Luca in my starting point guard. I like it. You? I like it. Uh, I'm gonna be predictable as well. I'm gonna go with <laughs> Stephen Curry, uh, former wow. MVP. Okay. I mean. From a real standpoint, I'm not going to dive on that too long, but the Warriors wouldn't be the Warriors without him this year. They'd be a horrible team without him. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Anyways, Curry is the number one point guard 
in fantasy, according to the ESPN Player Raider. He's hitting 5.16 threes per game. That's crazy. He's averaging five threes a game. So, and he's had, we've seen nights already this year where he's hit nine or 10 threes. He's averaging almost 30 points. He's at 29.9, six assists, five rebounds. He's even averaging over a steal per game. He just, he checks every box at every category. He's always contributing and, you don't see that much with too many of the stars where he, he puts in his work on defense, but that's, that's why I have him as my point guard. I really thought you were going to go uh, Damian Lillard when you, especially when you said uh, predictable. (laughs) He's a great player and he's having another Dame Lillard type year. Uh, But I thought I might want to go and appreciate in a different direction and go with Curry and, the Blazers, honestly, it'd be the same thing. If Lillard was not there, they'd be a horrible team. But Oh, yeah, especially this year with CJ out again. and They got a lot of injuries. <laughs> it seems like it's uh, becoming a theme for Lillard to carry the boat. But, yeah, yeah, my man Curry, he's just doing it. He's back to MVP form. I know a lot of people were concerned about him coming into this year with load management, but he's doing his thing. Can't argue with it. So we can move on to the shooting guard spot. Who do you got at shooting guard? I got to go with my main man, Bradley Beal. Hopefully a New York Knicks soon, but uh, oh, no. they got to get him out. they going to sell the whole team for him? He's going to be the only guy out there. Whatever it takes, because we got to get him out of Washington. My <laughs> goodness. That guy's a phenomenal talent, and I hate saying that because he's a Gator, but, I mean, he's, he's averaging 32 points a game, five rebounds, four assists. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. Um, I got him as my starting shooting guard. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, he's not going to end up with the Knicks. I don't want to break your heart there. I'm not trying to bully you. Uh, I mean, it could happen, but they're going to trade away the whole team. And when that happens, Knicks fans are going to hate basketball even more. So, <laughs> uh, uh, for my shooting guard, I'm going to go even more predictable than I did point guard. I'm going to go James Harden. Even though he's at an astronomical 4.2 turnovers a game, pretty sure that leads the league. I uh, just you can't argue with the counting stats or the numbers he puts up on average. Even though he's a lot of people in fantasy world, the fantasy world were worried when he got traded to the Nets that his usage and his averages were going to go down, playing next to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But that doesn't seem to be a problem for any of them three because they still all seem to kill it when they're even all three playing, even though it seems they have a rotation going where each game, one of the guy, one of them three will take it off. So one night Kyrie's out the next night, Durant's out. Then the next night Harden's out. And then it kind of rotates. I think I've only seen maybe what one or two games or all three of them played. Yeah. So, it hasn't been many. Yep. And I, I mean, I understand it. They're keeping them fresh for the playoffs and we know when the playoffs come around they're all going to play every game so but looking at his numbers his points per game aren't as high as they've been the past couple years obviously it's at 24.4 but the 11.3 assists per game 7.2 rebounds per game he's even got 1.1 steals per game and in fantasy man that's that's hard to top like i said there's probably only two guys that are putting up those types of numbers on average and that's probably one of them you already mentioned, and Luca, and the other one I'll mention in a little bit. But yeah, I just I didn't foresee him keeping up his pace with the Nets, and he's doing it. And 
That's my shooting guard. Who you got at small forward? I got to go with the king. I got to go with LeBron James. Um, the, the biggest shock with him this year is he's, he's playing back-to-backs. Um, he's averaging 25 uh, points, seven assists, eight rebounds. I mean, and he's not he's not sitting those back-to-back games, like I said. So, And you get multiple positions. I, I would have to definitely go with LeBron at small forward. Yeah, I like that. He's, uh, as you mentioned, multiple positions. He's playing, I think he's three positions for ESPN so yeah and you don't really see that too often I think the only other person with three positions this year at the moment is Thaddeus Young and in recent years the only other person I've seen with three was Luca I believe his rookie year yeah uh I like that and I was gonna that was gonna be my guy (laughs) and his three-point shooting has gone up big time this year too which I I like to see but for me, my small forward, I never liked this guy before, but I've come around to him this year. And that's because I have some shares on him and some of my fantasy teams. But the claw, Kawhi Leonard, is my guy at small forward. Uh, he's played more games than I think most people thought. He ha- is not sitting out every back-to-back. And he's had he had a leg contusion issue this week, so he missed a couple games. But other than that, he's been – He's been out there for most of the games. He's got 26.8 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, five assists. And then, of course, we know about his defense. He's at 1.7 steals per game. And compared to everybody else on my starting five, all the other four are all average over three turnovers a game. Kawhi is only sitting at 1.8. So, And on top of that, Kawhi is eligible for both forward spots in fantasy. So that's another bonus and you don't get too many guys that are that good for defense that can contribute in those categories in fantasy these days. And he's one of the few on top of being one of the top players in the league. So that's why he's my small forward guy. Okay. Okay. So uh, with that being said, we go to the power forward position that you got at the, the four. Well, at the four, we're going to go ahead and we're going to slide KD from small forward to power forward, which he's eligible to do in ESPN. And I want to put him at the four, you know, spread the floor out a little bit. And, uh, yeah, that's who I'm going to go with. He's averaging 29 points a game, seven rebounds, five assists. And, yes, he's still kind of coming back from that Achilles injury, and they're, they're taking it slow with him. But I think that's the main thing to do with is they know they're a playoff team in the East and – with that, the roster's loaded with Kyrie and Harden, so they'll be able to kind of just cruise control through through the Eastern Conference and, and rest him. But this fantasy value, I mean, really doesn't drop off too much because even with the other two on the court, he's still he's still averaging. He's still going to get his shots. He's still averaging his points. So he's at 29 points a game right now. You can't ask for much more than that, especially coming off an Achilles injury. So that's what I got at the four. <clears throat> I like that. I – I know a lot of people in fantasy, including myself, are a little worried about him coming off that Achilles injury and how much he was going to sit out. And, I mean, he sits out the games. He doesn't play in all the back-to-backs, but he definitely didn't lose a step. He still got every all the skill, ta- all the talent he had before the injury. So that's good to see. For my guy at the power forward position, I'm going to go with Giannis. No surprise there. He is sitting at 3.7 turnovers per game, but when you have as much as high as a usage as Giannis has, it comes with the territory. Uh, he's just sitting at 28 points per game, 
11.7 rebounds, six assists, 1.3 steals and 1.3 blocks per game. So every game, every category he hits uh, three points, three pointers. He's not big on that, but he hits one there occasionally, but all the other categories he's on top of. And like, I, and like I said, with Harden and Luca and the next guy I'll mention in a few minutes, but Giannis is another one where, He's he's got high numbers in at least three of those categories, and that can carry your team. And I mean, in a lot of drafts, he was number one overall. So and he's he's living up to it. I don't know if he'll win. I don't know if he'll repeat as MVP, but his his name's definitely in the running for sure. All right. And then for the last spot, we got center, the big men, which is becoming a dying breed in the NBA. <laughs> uh, who you got at center? Well, my main man, and I believe so far, if we're not being biased with ESPN and LeBron James and all that, the real MVP of the of the league is Joel Embiid. Oh. I think he, I think he is honestly. He's bringing the old school big man back. He's averaging thirty points, eleven rebounds, but only thirty two minutes a game. It's yeah. he's you know he's not even playing thirty five minutes a night, and he, he's averaging. 30 and 11. I mean, the other night in ESPN in our league, he dropped 78 points, 78. He had 50 points and 17 rebounds in 35 minutes of playing time. And it was, I mean, it's crazy numbers. And I think he's, he's got that. He's, he's proven to everybody that he can work well with Ben Simmons and he's got the Sixers on the right track. So that's who I would start at center. And that's who is the MVP of the league so far. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Uh, hot takes. Hot, hot takes. takes. We're going to have to keep that one in the archives, but based <laughs> off your Wentz prediction, that one might happen too. So, <laughs> uh, my guy at center, I'm going to go with the real MVP of this season, the Joker, Nik- Nikola Jochik. Um, okay. Where I don't even know where to start with this guy. 27 points a game, 11.2 rebounds, eight assists almost two steals per game. He carries the Nuggets every night. Yeah, I mean, yeah. NBA does to a degree for the Sixers, but I know on some nights he can rely on Simmons and Tobias Harris. Uh, but Yochik doesn't really have anybody to depend on like that. Michael Porter's really up and down. Jamal Murray's been up and down. So, But from a fantasy standpoint, he is number one on the ESPN fantasy player raider. And I don't see that changing i mean maybe luca or Giannis or Embiid can get to that i think they're the next three after him um he's another player that just moves in slow motion but gets wherever he wants on the court it's, oh yeah he's it's amazing to watch he he's a dude so in the paint. he's yeah. a dude in the paint and he's he's kind of like a unicorn he can he can shoot the outside shots when he needs to he can do he can the offense runs through him he gets those yeah. assists as i said eight per game I can't ever remember a center averaging that eight assists per game, but yeah, my the guy's doing it. And will he win MVP? I don't know. Uh, a lot of people don't really pay attention to the Nuggets too much, even though they're a good playoff team, but they're on the West Coast. So there will be a lot of East Coast bias. And the West Coast media is kind of dominated by LeBron and Kawhi. So Yochik usually falls behind in that, in that category yeah. with coverage. So 
but that's my starting five. <clears throat> and uh, I would really like <laughs> we should put those start those two starting fives against each other and see uh, who would win in a, a game of 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our listeners, give us uh, give us some feedback on who do you think will win. Leave drop it on our page. Yes, in the comments, I'll uh, I'll make sure to put our our teams up there and on our on our Facebook and Twitter page or sorry Instagram page. Just leave a comment. Who you got, Danny's team or my team? Who's better in fantasy in the fantasy world? Um. So I think we've we've covered all bases for today. We talked about baseball, and next week we'll cover more baseball. We'll start to get into the news and notes of the first full week of spring training. And like I said, games are starting next weekend. So hopefully there's no big injuries to report about. Actually, there has been one Phillies catcher, JT real Muto fractured his thumb, I believe on Thursday. So he's supposed yeah. to be out a month. His opening day status is not in jeopardy as of right now, but when we start to get into fantasy baseball talk, which we might start to cover in the next show, uh, that's something to watch out for with drafts coming up because in the next couple of weeks, honestly, drafts should be starting soon for baseball, but especially in two to three weeks, we'll see a lot of stuff happening with ADPs and hype and busts and everybody's predictions there. So no doubt about it. with that being said, uh, great show by guy, Danny, great work. Yeah. Uh, Hope to see you again next week, and we thank you all for listening, and everybody have a good night. Have a good night.